Hey everybody, how is it going? Today is Monday, February 22nd, 2021, and you're listening to a new episode of What's Up with Danny. Uh, today's guest is none other than Kwame James. Uh, you may know him from being the recent electee to the Muskegon School Board. Um, I do think electee is the right word to use in this scenario, so that's what I am going to go with. Uh, yeah, and I, and I say electee uh, because, and we talk about it in the podcast, but he... Uh, has a really interesting scenario in which he wasn't actually elected in the election, um, but was was uh, appointed after after another person resigned. Uh, he was close enough in the voting to earn a spot on the school board, uh, despite not having won in the general election. So uh, it's a really unique and interesting situation there, um, which we talk about within the podcast. Uh, it's a really interesting conversation. I had never really talked to Kwame before this. Uh, I, I knew of him vaguely and uh, was recommended to interview him. But, uh, you know, sometimes when people recommend me people to be on the podcast, you know, I'm very open to it. Uh, but, you know, if I don't if I don't really know them personally, you know, I'm really going off the recommendation. But this was recommended to me by uh, Phil Myers, who was on another episode of the podcast, whose recommendations I take uh, very seriously because he wouldn't recommend me somebody who wasn't interesting and Phil really came through because Kwame is a very interesting and inspiring guy and I really enjoyed talking to him uh, you know some people just have a way about living that uh, you know when you hear them talk about it and you're like wow this this person you know really seems to have it figured out and I, and I don't know whether or not Kwame would agree with me that he has it figured out I mean do we really do any of us really have it figured out but uh you know, hearing hearing him talk and just hearing how he, the way he lives his life and how he's, you know, the, a person who tries to collaborate and tries to, uh, you know, just see points of view that aren't his and take that into his general thinking. Uh, you know, just the way he lives his life was very inspiring to me, and I'm glad I got, was able to sit down and talk to him. Uh, yeah, we talked about COVID, you know, what he's been doing to keep himself busy and uh, how his life sort of changed in COVID. Uh, we talk about, you know, why he ran for school board and the process of campaigning uh, and, you know, some of the things he he did and didn't know about going into campaigning, um, which is great because this is not something I know a whole lot about. And, and it actually kind of made me feel better to hear him talk about it because it didn't seem like he really knew a lot about it uh, in the first place. But that just goes to show you what hard work and determination and what you're willing to learn uh, can go, how far that can get you. So. Uh, again, this great conversation. Uh, we also covered a few other topics in the in the course of this podcast that I will let uh, speak for themselves. I thought Kwame had some really profound things to say, and it really got my head thinking. And uh, I hope it does the same for your for your head. Uh, <laughs> is a weird way of saying it, but I think you understand uh, what I what I mean. Uh, he has some really good points about uh, just some things going on in the world today, and. Uh, that uh, I will let you hear in the episode rather than sit here and try to explain them when it's totally not necessary for me to do so. Um, but yeah, great episode. I hope you all enjoy it. Uh, Danny.brook.shows, gmail.com, comments, questions, suggestions, concerns. Uh, maybe you want to tell me a story. Maybe you have this story in your head or you want to try a stand-up bit uh, and you want to see how it works go ahead and email it to me because it will totally come across uh, in, a, in an email well. Uh, 
yeah, that's a weird example. Maybe don't do that. But uh, rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends about this podcast. Uh, you know, give us a review if you have something to say or if you like it. Shoot us a five star review wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at symbol What's Up with Danny podcast or on Facebook slash What's Up with Danny podcast. Um, those are our social media outlets, and those are where you can find the most frequent and up-to-date news about the podcast other than the podcast itself. Um, yeah, going to be recording some episodes this week, going to try and switch up the format. Try, We're going to be putting out some new series uh, that cover a little bit more specific uh, topics rather than what the usual podcast uh, does. So go ahead and be on the lookout for those within the next few weeks. Th- those will be a bit, a little bit slow still figuring out the format in which I want to go with those. But uh, so keep an eye out for that and enjoy this episode with Kwame James. Have a great week, everybody. Well, thank you again. I know I just said this, but now that we're recording, I'm going to say it. So it's it's on record. Thank you again for doing this. Um, well, thank you. I'm, yeah. I'm glad to be asked. Oh, definitely. You know, and uh, I meant to ask you sooner to be on this. I, I interviewed uh, Phil Myers about a month oh, dude. ago, maybe two months. Uh-huh. He recommended I reach out to you to have you on. And so, I, you know, life just sort of happens and you kind of, you know, forget yeah. over time. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad this worked out. I'm glad we got you on here. Um, yeah. So I guess let's, let's start out with the obvious. Um, it's COVID times. What, what has, what have you been doing to keep yourself sane, sort of to, keep 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 going on am i am i keeping sane <laughs> um actually i'm uh, i think i'm doing really really well with that um from what i hear about how how taxing covid time has been for folks like i feel like I, i'm fortunate to to be in a different space you know um uh my my wife has um been home more because she's you know she's been working remotely um uh but uh yeah and for and for a lot of that time actually during the summer our one of our boys was home from school too so the house was like extra full all day i usually i usually i've been working from home for for i'm self-employed so i've been working from home all the time anyway but like that um has sort of enlivened the flow for me. It's been like a kind of a boom. The, this whole pandemic experience has brought the family into a richer sort of um, place in my life. Sure. So I can't really uh, um, front like it's been a hardship exactly mm. to go through 2020 for me. I mean, despite you know, th- there's some some hard things that happened in 2020. Obviously, just on the on a like community level and a national level and global level. But um, I'm, in my personal life, it's been really pretty good. It's been pretty good. Right on. No, that's great to hear. I, I know, like, and I'm sure people listening have, you know, their own experiences and things like that, that if, you know, mm-hmm. that they've had their own troubles throughout COVID. But it's nice to hear, you know, I, I love hearing people who can find ways to appreciate the fact that we're all kind of in this weird time, you know what I'm saying? Things that they can sort of take as a positive out of it. I, I love hearing yeah, that. It really is a very unique um, circumstance that we that has sort of befallen us, you might, might wanna say, but it's also a, a unique opportunity, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I know that um, that is, and I don't mean that to sound crash, like I don't, I don't 
discount the fact that it's a definite hardship in real life, you know, for for most people probably. Um, certainly uh, uh, more so than it is for me. Um, and, uh, you know, and I have, uh, you know, all the respect for that, but um, it's, it's a, it, it, it is whatever it is, it's different from what's normal. And because it's different, there's an opportunity to see life from a different angle, you know? And, and so there's, there's, you know, whether it's hard times or good times, there's always um, uh, an educational aspect of, of every moment that we're going through. So if we're paying attention to to what's new and nuanced about our situation, we have a chance to learn something that we couldn't have figured out otherwise. Right, right on. That's 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 my main thing about life. You know, just trying to figure, try, trying to see the world more fully, mm. trying to have a more complete picture, explore what's going on. You know, I'm an explorer when it comes down to it. Um, and it doesn't look like it necessarily all the time, you know. You don't see me like bushwhacking through the jungles, of South America, or but I'm, uh, but I'm curious about what what's out there, you know, and like those uh, opportunities that present themselves to to see something new have always excited me. You know, it's always been a very um, good thing in my mind to have a chance for something different. Mm -hmm. Right on. No, I guess that that might be a good segue um, into what I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about. Um, you were recently given an opportunity uh, to join, you know, the school board, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in Muskegon, and that that's a great and congratulations to you for that. Thank you, uh, thank you. Now, I, I'd like to kind of, if you're cool with it, I kind of want to walk through that whole process because that's something I know just for myself, I really know very little to nothing about. Um, and and I, I think it's a very interesting, uh, what, so let's start off with the beginning. Yeah, and I'll happily acknowledge that I knew very little to nothing about it when I decided to, to run for school board back in November. Uh, I mean, back, you know, to run for, School board during the election that was in November. I, the decision came like in summertime, but mm. uh, it but but it was new, and I and I say that because I want to just throw out from jump that politics and and the community action is more accessible to more people than really realize it. You know, mm. you don't have to be like deeply entrenched in the network of old boys clubs and yeah, like you don't. It doesn't take quite as much preliminary action as, as, we, as we like to think. You know, we don't have to prepare for it as much as we think. We get prepared as we go, you know? We, right. we learn what tools we need as we go and we pick them up and we find them and we, you know, make the connections that we need when we, when we learn that we need them. Right, no, I like that a lot. Um, let, me, let me know what your, like, what were your, your, what was your mindset when you decided, oh, hey, this is something I wanna do, like, what, what sort of led you into that conclusion? Yeah, uh, well, the mindset, um, I think it's important to, to start with the, the trial that 2020 was. You know, for me, one of the hardest parts about 2020 was um, the experience around George Floyd and uh, Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor and the popularization of the uh, very factual nonfiction narrative mm. 
of American life that, um, you know, black people are being killed on the regular by police officers and the system of, uh, you know, governance and community relations and just life that we live in America, you know, like it's, it's unhealthy to be black in America. It's dangerous to be black in America. And, and that was coming to the fore in a very profound way this summer, as we all remember. And um, I was, you know, feeling my feeling myself in that in that moment, recognizing that, you know, I gotta I gotta do something more than I have, you know, like this. Uh, you know, everybody was feeling that. Like the the the. Uh, what was surprising to me is that so many people who weren't black in America were clearly feeling it. It's like, it's time for us to get over this. You know, like that was um, encouraging to me to, to witness. I didn't expect that. and was surprised to, to, to be, you know, marching a thousand deep in front of the, the county building downtown, you know, um, like that was, that was dope to, to, to realize that uh, there is a much broader base of support for the idea that we've been, you know, as America, uh, as American culture, we've been on some bullshit for <laughs> too long. If I could say it like that, um, forgive my French. I'm gonna have to be nice because I'm a school board member now, you know, <laughs> I have to learn to, to limit the English that I speak <laughs> at any uh, uh, public occasion, but whatever, you know, the truth is the truth. Mm. But, that, but that was my mindset. Okay, so, so that's the setup, right? that was what was happening this summer when I was invited to run. Like somebody, it, a couple people in the community um, were like, hey, and, and I'll acknowledge it. One of, uh, Ken Johnson gave me a call, the, our, our city commissioner, Ken, um, and said that he was talking with uh, uh, another like Muskegon High parent and was like, you know who we, who would be a really good candidate for school board since there are three incumbents all up, whose seats are all up for re-election. Like why, uh, who would be really good at Kwame? Let's give him, let, let's see if he's interested, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and I was like, looking for something to do that would be constructive and that would be, um, You know, honestly, I think it's, I think it can be heard and taken um, a, a couple different ways, but honestly, something that would feel like a good fit, that would feel safe mm. for me to do um, in, uh, in response to, you know, this, this moment of crisis in our, in our culture, you know? Mm. there's like I had I had to do something and it was like in my mind the choices were between something that focused on building and something that focused on dismantling or destroying mm. and both I'm I'm quick to say are very essential like absolutely essential um tasks and perspectives to take on like there's some stuff that's been like traditionalized and like stuff that's become institution in our culture that's got to get torn down. Like, it's just wrong, you know? Like, and, 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 I, and it's not always like super obvious stuff, like 
like where there's like a building that has to break or a statue has to come down, you know? Like it's not that kind of dismantling that I'm talking about, but like the idea of redlining and gentrification, how how housing stock moves um, into and out of the hands of different people in the community. Like that is going to shape the culture um, of that community because the local people who interact with each other are going to have things to say to each other, things to think about each other. And, you know, it's going to impact the shape that life takes. Mm. So like when, when people are, are summarily moved out of their neighborhoods because other people with more money see that the place that they're living could be a really cool place to live you know, that affect that, that changes the character of the community um, in a very profound way. And that's something that happens largely to the people who are, you know, being bought out of their place, mm. you know? And so that's uh, the kind of, that's the kind of disruption, dismantling the, 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 the systems that support that kind of growth in our culture. Mm. Like those things need to be dismantled, right? But um, I am also, aware that there are things that need to be built. We need to like build some bridges. You know, we need to build some relationships. We have to like learn how to um, collaborate where we might otherwise have been used to competing. Mm. Like in the old days, I rem <laughs> I mean, old days to this very day, it's like idle, what's the word? Um, Well, lauded anyway, people are very um, committed to the idea that it's praiseworthy to be competitive. You know, like if you're like that word in itself uh, has a, 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 a positive connotation sort of built into it. You know, like competitive is what you might call somebody who you, who who's thought of as a leader and who is uh, um, successful or at least um, striving and expected to do well you know uh, like who, who's who's a contender he's he's you know like those attitudes about competition encourage people to be competitive and i'm not saying that it's a bad thing fundamentally to compete but this is a time where the opportunities that exist for for people to to have the sort of changes that they that they want to ha see in the world, um, like the opportunities that exist are really very much built around collaboration and communication. Mm. And if we're focusing our energy on like, like if we're focusing on being competitive, then we're not even noticing the opportunities in front of us. You know, a lot of times we're just looking right by them because the same person in the same context that we might think that we're supposed to compete against may well be the key to uh, the successful outcome that we're trying to get ultimately if we would instead collaborate with them, we find ways to, to get together instead of going, like, I mean, in the job market, for example, you know, like you got, maybe you and your homie um, are, trying to be virtual assistants or whatever and there's a company in town 
hiring. There's one. Uh, they're they're hiring one one person, and you guys go to the, both go to the interview and are in competition with each other. Well, what about the people who are wanting to do that kind of work, uh, who like get put out, who, who aren't the one that the company that the established company is looking for? What if all those people collaborated to? do to, to set up their own company and do the work for themselves you know like i'm not saying that that's um not more work <laughs> you know but it's an opportunity right you know and, and opportunities very often require a little extra work mm -hmm. to to capitalize on but hey man you know that's the that's that's part of what makes opportunities advantageous is that you know by doing a little work you get a lot of reward out of it mm -hmm. That's, that's almost the description, you know, and the, the, it's just the question of, yeah, I'm sorry. I could, I could ramble for days. It seems Oh, I was listening on the last, uh, on the last zoom meeting. <laughs> so I think I have uh, a little well built up. Oh yeah. No worries. People, people, you know, go off on tangents and talk and talk and talk. And that's, I, I love it. Cause it makes my job very easy. I can kind of just, Oh, well, cool. Uh, Respect. I'm happy to make your job easier. <laughs> But no, I, I like the idea of that. And I think um, I, I, I would like to think that there's going to be more of that coming within the next, I mean, I, I won't say like in a specific timeline, but I think in the next few years, we might notice a little bit more of that collaborative attitude rather than that competition. And I think, I think we maybe are in a point where like we want that instant gratification you know what i mean so like that work and that effort might not seem like something that people want to put in because if they don't get the you know we we kind of live in a uh i don't there's probably a term for it but when we you know how you know you get that that uh serotonin drip whenever you get like a like oh, yeah like you know some sort of mm -hmm. instant gratification for something and so the idea of having to put some sort of work in it's not necessarily like it's looked at as a burden, but it, it definitely might steer people away from that general mindset where they have of that, oh, I need to be good at this now, or I need to have this thing now. And if I don't have it, I'll move on to the next thing because that might be easier to get than, you know, putting in a little mm -hmm. work on this one thing. You know what I mean? I do. I mean, I've lived it. You know, I do. I know. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I mean it's, it's, it's hard, you know, it's discipline is really what it comes down to. And like, I, I understand that that word is very often um, used in a sense uh, uh, to make you think it's something you could give to somebody else, you know, or do to somebody else. Like, I, like we discipline our children or, you know, the teachers discipline the students. And I'm like, I, I understand what you're saying there. And I, you know, and respect, but it seems to me that the only real discipline is self-discipline. You know, there, it's not something that comes from outside. It's something that we that grows in us that we cultivate as we live a, a disciplined life. You know, and it doesn't mean like we're like robots or soldiers regimented in a, some sort of army of other, you know, um, conformists. But it's like having the uh, habits it's like having the having the thoughtfulness to recognize that we're going to have habits mm. and so we may as well pick our habits you know 
like having that uh, just enough forethought to decide, you know what, this thing that I do all the time, I'm, I do this because this is what I want to do. I'm this way because I've become, you know, my character has developed out of this habit that I cultivated because I decided to do something that maybe was a little hard to begin with, but I got used to it, you know, and that little uh, hard thing um, has, you know, ha has made me who I am. We, we, we just need a little bit, a little bit of tweaking, you know, and we are in a good place to do a lot of good to ourselves and to our, to our world, you know, um, if we can just shift our perspective a little bit here and there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a little cliche, but I, I mean, it, it's cliche because it works. I mean, be that change you wish to see, you know, and I think right. that's kind of mm -hmm. the overall, I can probably sum up what it is that you're, you're trying to say is just, you know, you have to, if you want that change or you want those, those things in your life, it has to come from a place of, you know, you need to, you know, do it yourself and, you know, be that change that you want to see. I think that's kind of some of what you're trying to say. Uh, if, that is some of it. Yeah. And I guess more so. Well, you know, I, I think there's more to it in that. Um, okay. I have to, I have to acknowledge the uh, conversation that I was just having, because that's really seeding my thoughts right now. Um, uh, I was talking with a gentleman by the name of Patrick Henderson, who's uh, uh, he, who has been a huge impact. He's had a huge impact on like gospel music in uh, the you know past 40, 50 years, whatever, a long time. Um, and his uh, he, he was talking today about like he, he lived in Baltimore. He was he tutors kids he, he just loved kids in general you know and and part of his uh um issue with the world and it's my issue too especially in, in is the way that we treat kids you know we we have um uh given ourselves this notion of authority over kids as if they're our property when really they're gifts you know, like a lot of people take the notion of, take the attitude toward kids that they should be seen and not heard, you know, or that they should um, uh, do what the parents say just because the parents said it, you know, like that, that kind of attitude about parenting or, or the one, the other example you brought was just let the kid cry, you know, when they're um, having, uh, and like a lot of have like when the kids like really just having separation anxiety it's like oh these are my people and they're over there they're, not, they're they walked out of the room i can't see you when, you know like that's distressing to a three-year-old or a or heaven forbid an infant you know um kids have uh have been given like a hard road to hoe in a lot of families yeah you know, they're given um a lot of hard treatment without really people intending to be mean or per se, but they're just not recognizing how mean and harmful this, this stuff is. You know, they, they think that the kids are, um, they don't recognize the humanity of the children. Really, it's what it comes down to. Um, like children are sort of contingent people. They're going to be humans one day when they get to be 18 and they can pay for the rent, you know, then we'll treat them with respect. <laughs> but until then, you know, they're going to hold, they're going to toe the line and when you have that attitude about kids um 
you lose uh, the chance to really win their trust and confidence. Mm. Uh, and they, and they, <sighs> this is the danger <laughs> of, of me, me talking, um, talking down my tangents because I forget where I was centering around. Um, Oh, you were you were saying like uh, with with kids, you know, that we have this sort of like seen but not heard, and they they need to, you know, up until they're of a certain age, they kind of are just uh, we don't necessarily see them as as well, people sounds bad, but that we don't see them as maybe like an equal or a a person rather than just this this thing that we're shaping that doesn't know. I, I, at least as I might be paraphrasing mm -hmm. or saying. Uh, no, you are, you are, that's on the track, but I remember I was relating, I meant to relate that to um, the point I was making before that, which I don't remember what the point was, alas. <laughs> it doesn't, it, but, but, but you know what? It's okay because it at least gives me the opportunity to mention that I was talking with Patrick because that's um, uh, part of how I learned to appreciate young people myself you know, because uh, he was the minister of music at the church where I grew up. And because of his care for, especially the young people in his environment, the children that he, uh, he took an interest in me um, enough to like notice that it would be good for me as a young singer, you know, it, to, to be allowed to sing with the adult choir as opposed to just the kids choir, just because of, um, you know, at 12 years old, maybe I was, uh, I was ready for that, you know, even though most kids maybe wouldn't have been at 12 years old, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of my development as a, as a singer and my like temperament, it just made, it, it was a good thing. And so he facilitated that opportunity for me, you know, to be like the youngest kid in the adult choir. Mm -hmm. and, and that um, example is part of what brought me into the mindset that like hey school board might be the right fit mm. you know that's the, that's a place where i can i can do me and make a difference mm. you know like it, so it's safe in that sense like i understand that uh having an opinion is just sort of inherently dangerous, <laughs> you know, and, and having um, not just an opinion, but having uh, the capacity to evaluate the opinions of others, mm. uh, you know, in a way that's um, meaningful and, and to communicate persuasively, yeah. like that is dangerous. Mm. You know, people, I, it, it's dangerous because it makes me a target it's also dangerous because it's perceived as dangerous because it has an impact on structures that already exist you know it has an impact on people and institutions that already exist and, and so they're in their own interest going to be aware at least going to take notice and sometimes think of me as think of me or anyone like me as dangerous mm -hmm. but you know hey man my i think my uh my job in life has been uh, uh, in a lot of scenarios, it's been reassuring people that it's really okay. 
you know, I am, I am not here to hurt nobody. <laughs> you know, that's not really, uh, that's not my MO, but I understand why you might think so. I understand that if I feel it, a lot of times just my full expression, my full expressiveness can feel overwhelming. I get that that feels threatening in itself. I understand that, you know, I am of a sort, <laughs> of a complexion that um, is associated with a lot of the dangers and, you know, fearful um, you know, possibilities that exist in, in, in our world today, in our community, in a lot of people's minds. You know, people are going to have their reaction to me, but I'm just saying I respect the validity of that. You know, if that's your perspective, you know, if you think that there's, some, if you think that I'm a threat, without like like sight unseen, you know, mm -hmm. or, or or like or an initial sighting, I suppose. You know, if you think that I'm a threat, um, that's I could respect why you might think so. Let's talk about it. Let's find out if it's really if it's really the case. Mm -hmm. You know, because the, the my experience has been that we we really have a lot more in common than we tend to notice. You know, like people of all sorts are um, a lot more complimentary than we, than we let ourselves be. You know, we're, de we're designed to get along in ways that we resist. And it's, um, it's been my good fortune, I think, to, to, to be able to like help people bridge that that uh, feeling of you know I don't know anxiety I guess really is what it comes down to you know about a relationship with the other people whatever other people they are whether it's the gay people or the black people or the Chinese communist people or the whoever you know the women people who are like, it, it, we have um, a certain natural anxiety about anything that is unfamiliar or different, that's recognizably different. And so it's okay, but I've been lucky enough to, to live in ways and to have relationships that allow me to witness that that anxiety can like be quelled. You know, we can recognize some, some peace in our community with each other, in our communion with each other. Sure. And we can, like, we can learn to familiarize ourselves with each other in a way that lets it be comfortable to live alongside a lot of different kinds of people, mm. you know, doing all their different kinds of stuff and being in them diff their different selves. That's, that's, the, that's the trick. That's the part that we, that we like to forget about, you know, or that we f find it hard to remember, you know, to, to be more exact. Like, we, we find it difficult to, to remember sometimes when, I, when we get worked up, you know, we find it difficult to remember that it's okay for other people to be themselves. Like they're, it's, it's, they're not fundamentally out to get me, you know? There might, they may have learned to treat me like a threat, you know? But they can overcome that. We can we can we can learn how to see each other differently, mm -hmm. and like the, the the fundamental idea of them being different doesn't have to be threatening, right? 
yeah, I think just as easy as we can learn things, we can maybe unlearn them in a way that isn't, like you say, isn't necessarily seen as a threat. I mean, but by, by engaging, I mean, it, it doesn't, it can't work out. I would assume it can't work out the way that you would hope every time. I mean, certainly it, not. Right. Yeah. You know, it, what do you, what do you do in those situations where, you know, you kind of reach a point where you're like, oh, I'm, I'm not going to change this person's mind. They're not going to see this situation or me or this, whatever differently. What, what do you do in that situation where it just kind of, it, it, you're, you're maybe reaching out to something that's really not going to be there. You know what I mean? You know? Yeah, the graceful extraction <laughs> from, the, from the dialogue is is hard sometimes. Like, okay, so I, here's here's an example. Um, uh, and I and I don't know that anybody would mind if I use names, but I'm not gonna anyway, just because I don't have to. Um, but on Facebook, oh, okay, I use Zuck's name. All right, <laughs> um, on Facebook, uh, I was engaged in a, un, an ongoing dialogue, I'll say, that wasn't just about one post, but just like a trend of posts um, and, and, and a theme of discussion that uh, I attend to on my Facebook page, on my profile, um, is like racial justice sort of issues, you know, among, you know, and in 2020, I mean, how not, you know, how not? So uh, this is just last year. Uh, there will be occasionally, yeah, you know, we're we're, we're, we're I have a diverse set of people that I'm involved with, uh, and not everybody is of the same mind on every issue. You know, some people um, who comment on on my uh, on my posts though, and. Well, some, some people will comment um, and really disagree, feel like there was, you know, need to argue against the reasonableness of the perspective that I was, you know, showing, or, 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 or like that would have questions, whatever, it would start, it would start with maybe a question, um, not necessarily, it didn't end up there that way, but whatever, point is, there was, was one cat, especially, who became somewhat famous, I suppose, I mean, famous on my uh, um, profile, you know, among the, the people who come into my threads, like for, for being um, antagonistic to some of the notions of like justice and, uh, and community values that um, were broad, are pretty broadly shared among a lot of the people who were posted, who were posted there. All right, so he, so he was sort of the outsider, but was not quiet about it and was actually very assertive about it. And eventually it became clear, um, I mean, to be, to be honest, it was clear very early on. Um, Cause like in our sidebar conversation on Facebook Messenger between he and I, mm -hmm. I had thought that early on, I was like, well, I see we don't have similar opinions about this. Let's just not talk about it. You know, let's just not pursue this conversation because you know, it's not getting us anywhere. Um, and then I went back and posted something and he commented on the on the profile post. Um, and I was like, I thought we weren't gonna talk about it. <laughs> and he was like, oh, well, you you just made a public post about it. So, you know, clearly you wanna keep talking. I was like, oh, I see. All right, so we're just gonna have to, we're gonna have to talk about it. Okay, so, um, so we had this long time of, uh, <laughs> 
you know, some back and forth where he got to explain some arguments. I, you know, I was trying not mostly not to make explanations of much, but other people in the community did have things to say about some of the arguments he was making. And, you know, and honestly, um, I did add quite a, quite a bit myself too, because um, I felt that there were things being left out. You know, like I wanted to make sure that he understood uh, that he's not the only person thinking in the room. You know, he's a very educated cat, and and you know, rightly so. He has a respect for the knowledge that he brings to the um, conversation, but he don't know everything. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's a lot that he he neglects to recognize. And it's not like, and, and I say that that way very specifically because um, it's my observation that he's perfectly capable of witnessing certain things, of, of like seeing certain um, perspectives, but is unwilling at times, you know, to do like, like all of us. I mean, like all of us, you know, we have our hangups and we come by him honestly. And I, don't, and, I, and like, I don't even want to blame him for it. It's not even like he's a bad guy in my mind. But, you know, I hope, I hope that if anything, if, if nothing else is clear, um, like I hope that people understand that the convolutions that I'm taking in the way that I explain stuff um, are meant as a way to catch myself and keep from accidentally defaming people for having, for just being themselves, for having their opinion, you know, I like, I want, I want to make it real clear that I have my own opinion about the, about things, but I don't spite you for having yours, even if I recognize that yours is totally erroneous <laughs> and dangerous. In fact, like I like I can see where you are causing real harm to real people with just because you don't understand what you think you understand, you know, like I could, I I could. Like Donald Trump, God bless him, <laughs> you know, is a menace to society, like more so than any hood rat with a Uzi. Like Donald Trump did some damage mm -hmm. and is trying to continue to. Like real talk, I love the cat, <laughs> God bless him. <laughs> but he is, uh, but, but like, I don't, I, I, I don't want to deny that danger that he represents in real life but i also do want to acknowledge that i know he's a human being and maybe if anybody belongs in jail it's him maybe if he you know maybe he owes some people um you know some some uh, a lot <laughs> but but still like to I, I, I you'll never hear me say we should string him up you know mm. you'll never hear me say um well, that guy's just garbage, you know? I, I, I understand that he's a human being, and <laughs> a dangerous human being, mm. but he's a human being, you know? And, and, and if we can remember that when we're in dialogue with each other, especially the hard dialogues about the stuff that um, uh, we have to figure out, in order to like just live together, you know, like if we can remember that we're dealing with human beings here all around, mm -hmm. all the time. Mm -hmm.
you know, worthy of respect, worthy of some dignity, <laughs> you know? I know. Now, for me, like I, I myself, I'm not particularly a very religious person, but it, I, there's some idea in my head that I think about from time to time that maybe there's some some greater presence to do with his presidency, you know, like mm. to where it's like more of a test in the general public of like, you know, this person who is just unfit and is, like you said, dangerous. And you see this division within our country that has sort of escalated over the last four years and it, part, partly or mainly because of him, I would say, personally, mm -hmm. uh, it's sort of like a test for people to sort of see if they can fit within that mindset to understand that, yeah, this, is, this person is dangerous, but they are a person and they, they need mm -hmm. to be understood and they need to be, you know, there's a reason why this person is this way and we need to figure that out and we need to understand that. And, and I almost wonder if there's some greater presence that's sort of putting it out there as a test for people to, to sort of find their own empathy within themselves maybe. Mm -hmm. I, and I, that's probably not the case. And I might just be like reaching for something in, in a weird way. How do you know? How do you, I mean, like how, like it sounds, it's it's certainly not um an idea that a lot of other people haven't considered as well you know i i, I have yeah nothing but respect for that consider for that consideration you see it's like yeah maybe and if it and if it isn't like supposed to be on some like cosmic divine level or something it's still the way that a lot of people are taking it it's the way that i've taken it Mm. It, it has been a real challenge, <laughs> you know, it continues to be, to, um, to be that magnanimous, mm. you know, in the face of, oh, like, here's the guy literally taking food out of the mouths of the babies, you know, mm. like, like, this is the guy, I mean, I say literally, li like, like the kids mean these days, no, literally, <laughs> like, uh, he's, uh, um, although I wouldn't put it past them, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you put a baby with something that he wants on that spoon and I bet, but whatever. Um, I think um, uh, ha having um, that level of empathy is challenging. And this has been an invitation to like rise to an occasion, you know, mm -hmm. I know it has, I know it has for me. And I, and I don't think that um, I'm the only one. Mm -hmm. Now I want we can we can keep going more on this in a, in a bit here, but I do want to kind of keep going with the progression of sort of your you know running for school board and then and eventually you know becoming a mm -hmm. member of the school board. But so you know you you're saying you know all these sort of pieces fell into place. What was going on in society? You know you talk to Ken Johnson, you kind of get this. You know you're invited to sort of go go forth with it. What? What were some of the things going through your head during the process leading up to you know the the election day itself, and you know what what are some of the things that you decided to sort of run on, or the things you were learning? Like you said, you went into it not really, you know, having a full understanding of it, and you know you have to develop that along the way. What what sort of developed as as time went on with you, and sort of in in your in your sense of leading up to election day. Um, well, it's. It, it began with collaboration. Um, honestly, uh, the first the first thing uh, that I realized was that I didn't know very much about what I, uh, about what I was getting into. Like, I mean, I was 
familiar with the school, uh, with the school district a little bit and the school board itself even. Like, I, I mean, I'd been to a few school board meetings. I had been paying attention to the doings of the school board for some years at that point. Um, we had a couple high school kids. Uh, so like in volunteering with uh, the band at the high school with the kids there, um, I, you know, was getting a sense of how, how the school community exists, at least in the high school, you know? And, and so I felt like, uh, like, I, like I had a legitimate perspective to bring to bear to the conversation, but I also knew that I had um, a lot to learn about just how the organization works, you know, how the, uh, like, I'd never run a campaign for, for office. As a matter of fact, up until, um, up until Ken opened his mouth, I had <laughs> been fairly committed to the notion of never running a campaign for political office like that. I was not going to do that, you know? Um, uh, but um, when he said it and it made sense, I was surprised. I was like, oh, okay, well, I guess I have to figure out how to do that, you know? So like, thankfully the web has a lot of great resources uh, these days, you, you know? Um, I, I, I remembered, um, uh, that there is uh, a Michigan Association of School Boards that has tons of uh, uh, like just resources that you can use if you're looking to a lot. A lot of people start political careers running for school board or, or some small um, local level seat, you know, and so they have a. a there are a lot of resources available to sort of teach you the ropes, you know, let you know about uh, uh, what laws are, are in play, the history of things, at least on the state level, I could, you know, I could learn about how the budget process works and uh, how, how um, the uh, school of choice program is laid out. And there, there's, there's all sorts of uh, help out there. And so I was scouring that for a lot of, uh, a lot of that time, like just looking for what help there already exists in the, in the that's already in the landscape. Um, but I also like sat down with Ken and with Zach Anderson, who's, who's a uh, school board member already and chatted with him a little bit. He was very generous in helping to explain to me how the campaign process works. And, um, you know, there's, you know, I mean, just like basically like getting signs made and like when to file with the clerk and what time frames you consider and what you don't need to worry about so much and like that kind of stuff. It was very, it was very uh, gracious to, to have him and also Billy Bruce who was running as well, like lend their, lend their ear and their, their support to the idea of me putting forth a campaign and sort of helping me get my, um, get my head around it, you know? So it, it, it's been collaborative all along. That is my point, you know, I've been, I've been leaning on other people to to help like point me in the right direction, help me course correct. Um, and so I think really that the way that it played out, you know, even having not won the election, you know, I, I, I came in fourth out of, for, for three seats, you know, 
Um, but having not won the election, I was still, um, I had been moving enough in the right direction, I guess, that when uh, Cindy Larson uh, vacated her seat, she's moving to Norton Shores now, or has moved to Norton Shores. Uh, so um, when she was gone, they needed to have another uh, member. I was in, I was in a good position to, for, for that consideration, you know? And I think that's, that's great because it, for me, it confirms the importance of collaborative process, collaborative processes, you know? It's like, if I went into, if I went into the, the race with the attitude of competition, um, then it would have been a very, I would have run a very different race, you know? And I imagine I would have been received differently too, you know? Cause I would have had a different, I would have showed up with a different attitude. I'd have been a different person in, in people's minds. So, um, you know, like, like the biggest collaboration in the whole process was with John Whitmer, obviously. I mean, we shared signs. If you looked up, if you looked on the, uh, on the roadside during the, uh, October, you know, um, then you'd have seen John Whitmer and Kwame Kamala James for school board. So like, it's not like, uh, uh, uh it, it's not like it was ever about me. You know, you see, you see what I'm saying? It's like, I, I, I was never trying to win so much as offering myself as a representative in this call in, in this conversation that we all know has to take place you know but i'll i'll represent our interests if you'll have me you know that's the attitude that i that i come with it so um the attitude that i come to this with so i um i think that the board saw that when i was being uh, considered for the open seat at the beginning of the year now, you know, I, I feel like it was clear that, you know, that I know that I'm there to serve, that I'm there to collaborate with, with folks and make, uh, uh, make a difference in our joint decision-making as opposed to like make some decisions, you know? Right. I'm, I'm not call, I'm not a shot caller. I help us call the right shot together. Now, when you say, when you say it like that, I mean it seems really obvious. You know, if this is this is obviously going to be uh, you're a you're a member, but it's a you know it's a school board, so you're all going to be working together, and you're going to be you know collaborating the entire time why wouldn't you go into the campaign process like that you know working with these other people and it's it's nice to hear that even people that were running were willing to you know give you advice and help you along the way and sort of collaborate with you that just hearing that i mean from an from an outsider's perspective it sounds like you know maybe the process sort of works the way that you know just being in in muskegon that that's sort of the way you'd want the process to work is just to hear that the people who are representing, you know, you and your town are working together rather than within their own interests. I think that that that's really, you know, that's promising to hear. Did you, you know, I mean, even though you kind of have said, you know, it's, it wasn't about you winning, it was about, you know, working together. Was there any part of you that actually, you know, going into it being this was your, you know, your first time running, was there any part of you that was like, I'm, I might have a chance with this, or I might, 
you know, maybe, maybe not this year, but this is a good start. Like, is that, were those some sort of thoughts that were going through your head, you know, during that process? Oh, for sure. For sure. Like, I, I mean, I, I was, uh, I think two percentage points off of the, uh, see, you know, the, 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 the third place in the uh, run for school board, right? I was two points off. And that's maybe not as small as it sounds, actually, when there's six people in the field, you know, two points is, you know, 2% of, yeah, it's, it's, it, uh, of a six is more than 2% of, you know, half. So whatever. Point being, I um, did feel encouraged to think that it would have a, a, a different outcome, the, the November election, you know, uh, to encourage that I might, I, I, I wanted to, It's it's bad. To, I, I don't know. All right. So how do you say it? I was kind of ambivalent about it, though. Like I knew that there was a, I knew that there was a good chance that I could win. It felt like I could win, especially once I finally got my Facebook ads up, because like Facebook um, did a little thing uh, in the last election cycle where they adjusted their rules from what they had been prior to to last year. Um, they like if you had a political campaign, you wanted to advertise on Facebook, then there was a different, a new verification process that involved like waiting for them to snail mail you a form with a with a code that you had to like input into your account and like extra, um, uh, you know, verification of your ID and your, you know, address and whatnot, basically, so that they can know for sure who's claiming that they're doing political ads, you know? So like, uh, there were a couple extra layers to it, but the uh, approval process for my ads on Facebook took an extra two weeks, longer than I expected it would. I thought it was gonna be done in two hours because I'd seen how to set up an ad account um, uh, that wasn't a political ad account. And I didn't realize there was an extra layer of or two to extend to it. So anyway, my point is I ran ads on Facebook and um, honestly, that, gave, that that really, I think did a lot. It's not the only, I mean, it, it was probably the last two weeks maybe before the election that my ad finally got up. Um, I, it wasn't even quite two weeks, I think, before election day. Um, it might've been 10 days, uh, but um, that was a big boost in visibility right at the right at the right time you know so like facebook it had it come on a couple of weeks earlier like i expected it would i think that might have been a difference maker seriously mm -hmm. so like i feel like i did have a real viable chance to be elected to the school board going into it like going through the campaign um but i was also very nervous about it you know cuz like i knew um that it would take a lot of time and a lot of attention. And, you know, I already had plans for other stuff that I wanted to do <laughs> and still do. Like I'm, I'm trying to learn how to do, part of why Facebook even showed up for me in my 
considerations is because um, I am interested right now in entrepreneurship just for myself, trying to learn how to put business together, you know, so, and and internet marketing is part of the uh, skill set that I think a 21st century business person has to have in their kit, you know, like he's got to know a little bit about how that works. So I've been paying a lot of attention to that and trying to figure out like how to, how to, um, well, trying to figure out what I can market, how to do it. And, you know, how, like what, what I learned from that process um, just fed right naturally into <laughs> the campaign process. You know, like I didn't know about campaigning, but I could at least take what I was learning about campaigning and feel like uh, I had something valuable to add to it, you know, to give it some, it's like some turbo juice or whatever, you know, like, all right, I can make this work. It's enough, like I could be one person in a pandemic and not have like a campaign war room with like, you know, like a, a, a dozen people collaborating with me, you know, and, and make, a, make a difference as a new guy um, trying to, unseat three incumbents you know yeah now one thing one thing i am a little curious i have a few more questions i'd like to ask you we're coming up on about an hour so uh i, I got a few more questions well, thank you heads up. curious in uh to hear about now we talked a little bit you know you you saying how you you might post something on social media to put your opinion out there and then that might spark you know a disagreement of some kind or maybe someone who puts their own opinion out there now with being on the school board or even in a campaign granted it's a, you know a local level not quite as as you know as high a level as maybe say the presidency or a, a you know vice president or some campaign like that where every mm -hmm. little thing that's said and done is sort of nitpicked and you hear about it like there's 30 different articles that day that come out about this one little thing now is there some part of you that sort of maybe wants to I don't know if restrict is the right word, but sort of pull back on mm -hmm. vocalizing those opinions in, or like, like what, where do you go through the idea of vocalizing how you feel about things, but understanding that the people who are going to vote for you may not feel that way and try to try to still show that you're going to work for them, even though these are, you know, your thoughts and feelings on these things. Do you ever try to maybe tone it back or pull it back a little bit so you don't, you know, you know, like, is there a different mindset? Yeah, I'm having a hard time to. I hear what you're asking. No, you're 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 explaining it very well, very clearly. Mm. I get it. Like, I I do self censor, I suppose, um, to the extent like like I when we first started today, you know, I was like, oh yeah, I gotta watch what shit I say because I don't want to speak all the English. You know, like there's a I know there's a layer of decorum that people expect from their school board member that I have to um, uh, respect, you know? And, and that doesn't necessarily mean that I have to conform to it absolutely mm. and like wear it as a leash, you know? But I do have to know that that layer is there. People are, people care about decorum and that's important. I don't want, I don't want to be dismissive of people's expectations, mm. but I also have learned um, I'll say the hard way that you can't please everybody and I'm not going to assume your expectations for you. I'm not going to take 
my life and fit it in your box, you know? And what's beautiful about uh, the campaign process is that I learned all the way through that I don't have to. Mm. Part of what people respect about me and about, I think, the, the, about the politicians in general that they respect these days is uh, my willingness to be authentic. Mm. You know, I'm not going to BS you, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I'm gonna keep it real, you know? And, and that, people respect that, people like that right now. And, and I think I have a lot of latitude. I have a pretty free hand in the current situation to be, at least to be myself. Like some other people maybe would see some backlash for the attitudes that they take if they, you know, if they think differently. But I think that there's a lot of support um, for the kinds of things that I, that I would get behind, you know? So I don't have to feel, I, I don't feel at all intimidated about that. But, uh, but I'll tell you what else though. Um, I am aware that, uh, that being voted into office um, is, is a kind of accountability to the, to the electorate. You know, it's a kind of accountability that's very important. And I, and I understand that I didn't even get voted in almost did. Um, and so I think that, you know, I really got to mind, I gotta be really very careful because I haven't quite demonstrated the, you know, the full measure of support for from enough of the people to really count, you know, like, it, you know, I was close enough that I got more than the other, than the other uh, applicants to the <laughs> board for the vacancy, you know, I got more support from the community than any of them having been in the election, you know, but it's not, uh, uh, it's not complete yet until my term's up and I get to run again and the electorate gets to say definitively, yep, we want him in there. You know? mm -hmm. So I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm still looking out for that. I'm still looking out for that. I, I like I said, I'm not trying to I let it weigh on me too much because I feel very confident that um, the tone of our community is uh, very much on the same wavelength as, as me, you know, mm. and vice versa. You know, like I'm listening for what the wavelength of the community is so I can fit with it. Like, that's how I live, you know? I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to um, break shit. I'm trying to build community. Yeah, that's that. That's the thing. I'm not. I'm not the dismantle. That's a, that's important work. That's somebody else's work. You know, mm -hmm. I'll support it. I know it's important, but that's not my work. I'm here to build. What now? Now let's. I want to talk about that a little bit too. What now? You know, you're how how when when were you? Uh, what's shit? What's the word? Inaugurated into your position? Like what? This uh, January. January. That okay. was this January. Okay. Um. The. The regular school board meeting in January uh, started with uh, like a, a, a workshop session where they made the final decision about who would be on the board. And then like right after that, like I took my place up there uh, on the dais and <laughs> was voting in that course, that one meeting, it's part of the dialogue, um, you know, and 
afterwards they like <laughs> gave me my email account and <laughs> set me up with training and sent me on my way you know okay now what what are some of the things that you have i mean just it's you know granted it's only been you know a month what, what yeah. are some of the things that you've learned in that that span of time just just from that initial you know start off point um well one of the things i learned actually is an outgrowth of something that I'd started learning before the election um, in reading the, uh, right, so, so the, the official district policies and procedures and whatnot, the, the, that document um, details all the formal relationships between the board, superintendents, like teachers, how, to, how everything is supposed to work, right? Um, and, I have to admit that at the beginning of the process, when I first decided to run for school board, um, I didn't understand the uh, the limitations to my own personal advocacy and my own personal expression that would be appropriate to an actual board member. You know, so like I, I was thinking in my you know, first formative thoughts about um, what I might be doing as a board member, I was imagining that I would have more uh, latitude to like build programs in the school or like, or at least like over to, to like be more, more hands-on than a board is designed, is really supposed to be, you know? So like one of the things about, um, <clears throat> the Michigan Association of School Boards uh, that supports uh, new board members is like a, a very extensive training program. You know, um, they have uh, like, right now it's 2020. So, you know, it's all webinar style stuff, you know, or, or Zoom meetings, but um, there's a lot of coursework that you can take to learn the formalities of uh, being on the school board, uh, so I, I, so that's been reiterated in the training that I've been engaged with since being appointed to uh, to this seat. You know, like the district facilitates training from the state organization in a number of different areas. One of them is uh, uh, just how to be a board member. There's a whole series of um, coursework that they offer in that regard. Um, there's also, um, of course, like how to evaluate the superintendent. You know, that's a very important, um, a very important training that everybody's required by law actually to to take. Because, I mean, obviously that's part of the work, but people don't know going in exactly how that work is supposed to be done. A lot of times, people think they that the agenda that they have is going to fly but they realize oh wait i'm you know i'm not the boss of the superintendent so much <laughs> as the board is and the board has a very technical formal role to play in that um uh oversight of what the superintendent does and it's not to micromanage the superintendent and tell them what to do all the time you know there's more um uh he the, the superintendent will have more autonomy than that yeah, and we and like a lot of times 
uh, learning where those lines are and how to respect that is, uh, you know, a, a, an important like lesson for new board members. Um, and I confess that I'm one of those new board members that needed that lesson. Yeah, not that you know, not that I had any sort of thing against our superintendent. Our superintendent is great. I was, you know, we got so blessed with the particular superintendent that we have on hand right now. Like I remember when he first came to Muskegon, like that very same, uh, it was like the end of the school year and that very, I think it was, uh, it wasn't summertime yet, but it was it was spring coming into the end of the year, I think. Um, and one of the students uh, got killed. You know, he was, uh, it was a party um, around the corner from his house and he was going to get his sister. And um, in between his house and that house, you know, he got shot and there was this big vigil in the parking lot there. Um, uh, I, you know, and the superintendent had just recently joined the team, you know, he had just come into town. And I knew, I knew the kid because he was in the marching band and I was like a band parent, you know? I mean, I had, I was at band camp with him like, a. a shortly before that, you know? Um, but the superintendent was there at the, like in the middle of the night at, you know, nine, 10 o'clock, whatever on Wood Street and <laughs> Lakedon, you know? And, and, and not like ostentatious about it, not doing like a Marion Barry or Jesse Jackson, like waiting for signing autographs and things, you know, he was just present like in the community when he um, when he needed to be there, when it was important for him to be there, you know, in a way that a lot of that that I wouldn't necessarily expect, you know, and but I was but I was very gratified to see it, and that's the kind of cat that Cortez is, you know, Matt Cortez is um, been a very impressive uh, superintendent, and so like coming, uh, you know, coming to the notion of being on the board and like evaluating the superintendent like that's my job now I ain't got no problem I'm not going to have um too much concern about trying to like correct too much you know like he's he seems pretty correct for the most part you know I don't have to micromanage I don't have to feel bad about that although I did think that I would have more um more capacity to like instigate things in the classroom, in programming. And, you know, and maybe, you know, and maybe there are ways to do that. I just haven't realized yet, you know, maybe there are ways to have, to be more influential that I'm still, um, uh, uh, that I've yet to really appreciate, you know? Mm. But, but, but I know I can't be as direct in that regard as to say, well, here's a program I think you should implement. Mm. You know, that's not my job. He's the expert. I'm gonna let him come do that, you know. Uh, but I can't. I I can't say um, things like. Well, I guess to, I could say that. I could say here's a program I think we should implement, but it's got to be in in a certain kind of context, you know. I can't. If I say that, it's not with the expectation that he's gonna like yes sir go off and do it, you know. It's not like that by any means, you know. So. Uh, it's it's nice to have like a a, a place on uh, a team of 
um, you know, of, of district leaders. It's a leadership team. That's the way to keep referring to it anyway in the, uh, uh, in the literature that I'm <laughs> exposed to right now these days. You know, it's a leadership team and he's part of it just as much as the board is. And that's, that's the thing, you know, cause he does a lot of uh, coordinating work um, and not even just him personally, but his assistant <laughs> does a lot of coordinating work. To, you know, like the, the, uh, the assistant to the superintendent is as important a player as anybody that is the role of, uh, responsible for managing a lot of the communication process, you know? And we, you know, we, we often sort of give short shrift to uh, that kind of support worker, oh, clerical staff, that's not, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 That's a super important role. You know, we, we don't, uh, uh, I think, you know, one of the things, right, so, so I think we talked a little, a little bit in the beginning about how kids as property, it, you know, inspires a whole different a dynamic in the relationship, right? I think a lot of, a lot of our um, value judgments about how people measure up to each other in relationships are a little off, you know? I think we neglect to appreciate the value that people bring to each other in a lot of situations. And, and one of them is in the, the way that we think about various organizations of, of people, you know, where, where the positions that are considered important are almost are, are very strongly related to um, the, the, the level of importance is strongly related to the amount of pay you get for it, you know? And, and I think that, um, that we get a lot of, we get a lot mixed up when we let that be our standard for judging the importance of um, the roles that people play. Mm. You know, I think we get a lot mixed up because <laughs> because coordinating communication between a bunch of folks is um, has got to be done skillfully in order for that communication to proceed well. You know, like teams don't function well um, if the communication isn't done well. So my my point is, Cassidy, mad props, <laughs> hold it down. She, she runs the Zoom meetings too. It's great when when you're on the when you're on the. Uh, uh, board meeting uh, via Zoom, as, as we will be tomorrow. It's, it's, all, it's all virtual tomorrow, actually. Um, uh, there's a, a more going on behind the scenes than just what you see on, you know, on, this, on your screen. Mm. So just know that all the time, all the time. Right on. All right, so I have two more questions. Well, I had three in my head, but I think I'm going to combine two of them into one. Uh, and okay. then and then after, because I think one of the, well, both I feel like we might end up with a, with a, taking a little time on these, but uh, then we'll kind of wrap up a little bit and then we'll kind of go from there. Uh, All right. So my first question is, what are some of the, you know, you've mentioned, uh, you know, things that you need to build or things that you want to, you know, you know, programs that you want to maybe start and that you that you'd like to start that you maybe not you maybe don't have or well like you said it's not necessarily your job to do that you can bring it up and then let the superintendent run with it but what are some of those 
programs that you'd like to see sort of brought into play or even just like what are your goals you know in this experience in your time and during your term like what are some of the goals that you'd like to see implemented or just change that you'd like to see made i know that might be a pretty loaded question but yeah no <laughs> yeah well it's it, there's a there's a lot of things that could change right um but the truth is that I am learning finally um, as I'm you know, maturing, I'm learning that focus matters, you know, that it's, it's really okay not to do absolutely everything, not to try to do absolutely everything um, and to just pick the one thing really, but you know, two or three, if you have two or three focuses, uh, it's better than trying to do everything, you know? So, but but the one thing that really stood out as the most important for me to talk about anyway, during the campaign of, the, of my priorities, the most important priority to really help rally people around is this notion that not everybody is trying to go to college and needs to go to college necessarily, especially when college when you know there's big fights in government about how we're going to pay for college you know like it's just it's it's ridiculously expensive um these days but you know some of that some of that can be can change and maybe that'll be a little different um in the future but uh as it stands and it will probably always stand that not everybody is trying to go to college you know and it doesn't mean that people aren't smart. It doesn't mean that they're not um, needing to support a family. You know, it's not. It doesn't mean that they don't still um, have worth and value for the contribution they make to society. Um, as a matter of fact, they might make very important contributions to society, like you know, being a plumber. I mean, you don't want to live without plumbing. You just don't. You know, that's important, essential work. <laughs> like so. Um, I, I think uh, the idea of uh, being more and more um, active in creating opportunities for uh, folks to learn a way, learn their way into the trades, building trades, um, is just beautiful. I think it's necessary. And the greatest thing about it is that I didn't even have to come up with that because like they're already there's already this stuff going on in muskegon school district in a number of different capacities there's a, a geometry and construction class that's been running for a little while now a couple years i think um that has a uh it takes the opportunity to teach kids about mathematics um in the process of teaching them how to um rehab and build houses you know like that's uh innovative stuff i like it and um there's more talk with like local union leaders about how to um partner to create opportunities for kids to learn what they need and learn what they need uh, in terms of not just uh technical skills, but also life skills, you know, in order to be interested in and 
available for uh, work as an apprentice in whatever, you know, electrician, carpenter, whatever, you know, by the time they graduate high school. So if that kind of opportunity were increased, then it's a win-win, you know, the build, the, the, the trades get uh, fresh blood to invigorate the, uh, you know, the work pool. Cause people talk about trying to rehab houses in Muskegon, try to build new um, property. Like you gotta be able to um, support the kind of community that we claim to be trying to build, you know, like if we, if we see community, if we see Muskegon 10 years from now, um, at a certain level of expression, we, then we have to make sure that Muskegon is able to support all that growth, you know? Like we have to equip Muskegon to do that growing. Otherwise what will happen is, and this is certainly possible, it could happen. And you, know, you might say that people are trying to make this happen, that people are working for, for this to happen, maybe. But um, it could be that other people just come and buy out the spaces in Muskegon where the people in Muskegon are, are living, you know? Yeah. Other people can just come and outprice Muskegon for everybody. And in a lot of senses, that feels easier and desirable if you're trying to manage property values if that's your point of interest in Muskegon, you know, it, it, but like most of us live here, you know, it's a, it's a community that makes Muskegon so interesting and, val and valuable anyway. You know, it's because of who we are that people see Muskegon growing over the past, you know, decade or so that I've been here. It's been a pretty clear trend that um, Muskegon's little resurgence, even despite COVID-19 and pandemic times, you know, it, that Muskegon is, um, is growing, is developing in a very profoundly positive direction. Uh, and I think that, uh, that it's apparent, not just here in Muskegon, but around the region. And so, uh, so, so that kind of interest exists. People are willing to come and just like put some money down because they think that um, Muskegon is going to be somewhere at a higher level of value 10 years from now, 20 years from now. But um, what makes Muskegon valuable and interesting, why it's growing is because of who's here. And if you price the people out, then you lose, it's like killing the goose that lays the golden egg. The people are the goose, man. You know, you're not gonna keep laying golden eggs if you bring in a new population to replace the value that, you know, to displace the value is really what it'll come down to. Yeah. I like that. I'm sorry to interrupt you there. I, I like I've never heard it referred to like that. And I actually that that made a whole lot of sense to me when you said it, you know, the golden goose thing and everything that actually mm -hmm. like hearing it that way. I was like, Oh, yeah, no, that that makes a whole lot of sense. But I'm so I'm sorry. Continue. That's how I feel. I mean, like, I came from LA. I grew up in Los Angeles, all right, which is a pretty like metropolitan sort of place, right? I, I um, came to Muskegon and was really very satisfied. <laughs> with how uh, I think sophisticated is, is, is a word that Muskegonites maybe would shy away from, but the truth is there's a very sophisticated um, cosmopolitan air in Muskegon. And 
it's covered over by years of neglect and um, a, 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 a very deep blue collar, like unpretentiousness that is also an asset really in 2021, you know? But like the, the attitude of people in Muskegon has a certain humility that balks at being called sophisticated. But what I mean by that is there's a very long history of cultivating um, really, of cultivating urban community, a very long history. Like there was a time when Muskegon was like the Beverly Hills of the West, when Michigan was the far West as West was, you know? like. There was a time when there were more millionaires in Muskegon than anywhere else in the country. Hmm. So this is um, this this town has a tradition, a long tradition of being uh, a, a serious player in urban communities in America, you know. And so that has helped shape the culture here. You know that the the people here are come from generations of that. You know, the, the culture here comes from generations of that. So um, when I came to Muskegon, I was really very impressed with, with how it didn't feel like a small town, you know, compared to, you know, LA, there were at the time 10 million people, you know, in the greater area. And I'm like, yeah, it's slower, it's smaller, clearly, but I've been to other towns that, like St. Louis, I grew, I was born in St. Louis. I grew up in LA, but I was born in St. Louis. And I've been back as an adult and St. Louis feels less, um, egalitarian and, co and po cosmopolitan in that sense. It, less, like the culture, respects diversity less than in Muskegon. I'll put it that way. You know, in Muskegon, people understand by and large that it's important to, to it's like not just important, but it's possible to get along well with folks, at least black and white, you know, and from other, um, other groups. If you're, if they're different from me, they don't have to be the bad guy. We can work it, we can work them shit out. You know, that that's real for Muskegon. For, for Muskegon. Um, in St. Louis, a guy who was my neighbor, grew up there, older older gentleman, he was like, yeah, this is the piano key city. You know, there's black, there's white, and there is no gray. <laughs> it's like, um, and, and I got that vibe in, in, in St. Louis more than I get in, in Muskegon. Come from, you know, Muskegon has um, something really valuable in our capacity for diversity. And that's that's people. That's like relationships that uh, that create that value. And if you price people out of your Muskegon vision for the future, then you're losing the one asset that makes Muskegon a standout community in West Michigan. You know, Norton Shores can't do that. North Muskegon can't do that. Like we talk about school of choice. Um, being, uh, you know, playing out as a hindrance for, um, uh, you know, which is the way it has for Muskegon Heights School District, for Muskegon School District. We, we over the years, have, have witnessed a significant attrition since the implementation of that school of choice paradigm, you know, 
And there's no, um, there's no two ways about it. We are perceived as less valuable by some parents for their kids anyway. You know, when you consider the, the, the education that we offer is considered less valuable for whatever reasons to some people who live in Muskegon. And so they send their kids to Shores or Reese Puffer or wherever, you know, and those very um, parents and those very kids are the asset. They are the value that would have been in the Muskegon public schools classrooms and board meetings. And, you know, they would have been part of that community at the football games, the band parents, like they, except that now they are taking their energy and their resources to another district, you know, because they find, because they, because they find something more valuable. Well, as people come to recognize the value of the diversity of our community and our, and, and our ability to um, capitalize on it, you know, we, we, we share well with each other. We've learned to share well. And if we do that um, effectively, then when things come, they get distributed well. You know, when, when, when resources come into our community, if they get shared around well, then we can continue, um, then we can do things with that value that aren't possible if you don't have those relationships. Mm. So that, that's what I'm saying. That, that's what I'm saying about um, my, uh, <laughs> Muskegon uh, public school life. Uh, that's probably about all I should say. <laughs> all right. So the the last question I want to ask, and I, I really loved hearing what you had to say about Muskegon. Uh, and I think I I just hearing what you say, like I I definitely can see that just from my own experience. That yeah, if you if you try to like you say if you try to value out the people of Muskegon, it, to me it seems like that would that takes away the point in general of Muskegon, you know? I, I really like, I, I hope that people hear that and they, they that resonates as well as it did with me. And you know, I, I, I think uh, that I just, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I wanted to make that point before I ask this next question, but um, we briefly kind of mentioned it a little bit and I feel like um, it's important, it'd be important for us to talk about given uh, that it doesn't really come up much on the podcast, but you know, you'd mentioned the, the protests earlier on last year in the summer and I, you know, I did go to one of them that was at the, uh, down at City Hall. Uh, it was in June, I want to say, maybe a little bit sooner than that. I don't remember the exact date, but, uh, and I, I was at it and I, you know, with the, with the police sort of saying that they're, you know, they're, they, they put, you know, they put the stickers on the back of the cars and they, 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 <laughs> yeah, uh -huh. they the things that they We said. support peaceful protests. And, and now, uh, you know, from your perspective, being a person that was there and, and part of it, like, what do you feel as though the police have done to, to, you know, live up to that expectation that they want to be part of the change and be and be with the people? Like, do you feel as though, uh, it, you know, and, and we Precious don't- little? Yeah, <laughs> like, you, I know, I mean, you know, you don't have to go too much into it, but obviously like, you know, what, you, you know, they, they set up, they set a bar. Do you feel as though they've lived up to that expectation within the community? Oh, I don't, hmm. I don't know 
what, what do you think people expect from the police? Um, I don't know what the expectation they have set up. Oh. Uh, or, 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 well, I guess more so. Would, do you feel sorry to interrupt you, but I, I guess more so do you feel as though we're in a in a period where, like, among, amongst our own community, where like people can walk freely and and feel as though they're not, you know, people of color can go through and and they can say, oh, I don't feel as though my the police in my city are, you know trying to find the right word to say or are sort of not after me but have don't mm -hmm. have my intentions in it, it, it or my me in the best of intentions in terms of the way they're policing you know what All I, mean? right, I hear you well I'll, I'll I'll say so like I said precious little precious little um and and I mean that in all sincerity like there has been a little um that the police have done uh, as, as, as far as I can tell, um, uh, and I can't tell very much. Um, uh, not, unfortunately, um, one of the way one of the ways that the police could do a lot uh, a lot of good, I think, is in increasing dramatically the nature of the uh, transparency that exists around policy and uh, you know th these things are not as bad as they could be but not as good as they could be either you know um, like there's uh, something telling about the fact that uh, roughly a third of the municipal budget. Um, last June, they voted on the budget and we and it was right about the same time as this whole George Floyd situation. Uh, about a third of the budget is allocated toward policing. Yeah. Now, to be to be clear, um, 90 plus percent of that apparently is like wages <laughs> i mean like and and benefits <laughs> you know so like there's retired police who have to get their pension like there's all sorts of important labor issues involved too that uh, uh impact the police budget but it's telling that such a significant, that we live in a society where such a significant portion of our budget is spent on policing. You know, that, that says a lot. Mm. And um, because we invest so much in policing, I think it's wholly rational and reasonable to require more transparency in the processes uh, and the way the decisions are made. You know, I think that the level of accountability is um, the kind of thing that warrants our attention. I think we should be more attentive to, as a culture, as a city, we should, we should be more attentive to uh, 
how we hold the police accountable. That question is just too important. You know, like we, we're, we're putting a third of our capital resources into this work. How much of our attention and effort are we putting into doing the work well? Yeah, I was struck by an article this week about, uh, uh, shoot, was it Portland? Uh, somebody um, had been trying one, Denver, I think, Denver, um, had been uh, doing a, a pilot program where instead of having um, police respond to certain nonviolent calls, um, those requests for assistance were answered by like a, a support team of folks that were like mental health worker, social worker, like when people, uh, you know, it was like trespassing or, you know, some, some the kind of, the kind of thing that make up a majority sometimes of the calls that police are, are receiving, like if somebody can go and not have to arrest anybody and you know, diffuse the situation if there's any tension going on, uh, like connect people with resources that they find out. Like they were telling stories about folks where, you know, they got, they, these, this team gets called out um, and, you know, they talk to the person, connect them with like services for their drug problem, get them a blanket and like, you know, like, and send them on their way. And like, it's a, and it's a relief to the police force because they know that they're not spending their time doing social work when they could be fighting crime, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, so they can direct their resources to the kind of things that they're trained to do and do the work that they're good at instead of doing badly the work that they're not really significantly or sufficiently trained to do well, mm. you know? I mean, I'm sorry, I, it, it is boldly apparent <laughs> that there are many police officers who are not especially good at diffusing conflict, mm. you know, like that's just real life, you know, and, and I'm not saying they don't have certain skills or techniques that they've learned and, you know, diffusing conflict, uh, if, if you define it as like creating a scene where people are quiet and compliant, well, okay, maybe you diffuse the conflict when there are, you know, somebody with your uh, uh, handcuffs on sitting on a curb. Yeah, you diffuse the conflict, but like that's not. That, that's there's still conflict, <laughs> conflicting emotions going on. <laughs> there's still like an antagonism that's present in that scenario. You know, you didn't fix anything. You just um, compress the problem to a size or a shape that you know how to manage. Right. You know, that's not solutions. That's just kicking the can. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, well, the thing with the Denver thing, no, I, I feel as though, I mean, and this is just uh, my point of view. I, I always have thought that a nonviolent uh, offense or something, you know, like you say, trespassing or something like that, that doesn't seem as though it really requires, you know, a police officer to really contain that sort of thing. I mean, and it only makes sense to me to have someone trained in that to be able to do those sort of things. Um, but I, what I'm, what I'm curious about, I guess, in terms of like within Muskegon, like what, what do you think, like, like obviously the people 
want change and that they're making that happen. What do you think needs to be done or what's, what sort of work do you think still needs to be done from a, a community level, from like a citizen's level on, on holding the, because you know, we're saying hold them accountable. What, what do you think are some steps that we could be taking to hold the police accountable in, in that sense? Well, we could do a lot of things, you know? I'm not, I don't feel like I'm in a position to say what we should do. Sure, not that it necessarily falls on the people. We, it shouldn't necessarily, that shouldn't be a thing that falls on the people of, of Muskegon or of any town to have to hold their police accountable. Their police should just- Oh no, I, I well, on, on that, I'll push back a little bit and say that that's the way it is. We may as well accept it, mm. you know? I mean, it is an opportunity that exists for us collectively, but I don't think that it's, I, I think, I don't think it's reasonable to expect that everybody's gonna do it. You're gonna, gonna follow some program that it would be put together, you know? So the, the main thing, I think is to recognize that it doesn't take everybody to to do any of this. It takes me, you know. I got to make the decision about what I'm going to do, and sometimes that is, you know, almost always that is calling somebody else in to the process to magnify our capacity, you know, so we can do more because we because we do more together. Um, so. Uh, but don't. But, but what I mean is that it, you don't necessarily have to try to find something that's going to resonate with everybody. You just need to find a few people who think like you, or who are interested in doing the same, having the same kind of outcome that you're trying to get. You know, you got to find. You, you got to like get to know your people. Look around your neighborhood. You know, like I know we don't like um, have the same sort of neighborliness as they show on the '50s TV shows. You know, but it's but people still can you know hang out in the street and um you know knock on a neighbor's door you can still we notice when the new people move in see the u-haul out there you know it's like all right i'll bring them a cookie say hi you know like anything that you can do to to deepen the relationships in your community will help you find the people who want to see the changes that you want to see and then just do what just start moving towards it like it doesn't you don't have to do anything much just do something mm. you know don't don't think that what you do is so insignificant that it doesn't matter sure. as long as you're doing something you'll do enough we, we will do enough if we all just decide to do something then the total of it will get the job done mm. right on um all right so i think do you do you have anything more that you'd like to say on this subject? I mean, I we could probably talk about it for ever days. I probably could, but uh, you know, I but but I have to finish some reading for the <laughs> meeting tomorrow night. As a matter of fact, so you know, this this is this work is ongoing, and and this conversation is what I'm referring to as this work. You know, it's not hard work, but it's it's important work. You know. Uh, so as long as we're all respecting how important it is that we keep talking to each other, mm. then, um, you know, and that we keep the conversation a lot, keep the conversation going. Don't like uh, get so caught up in our feelings that we cut off the lines of communication. Mm. Like keep busy, keep energized, keep your passion up because it's hard work sometimes, but keep 
clear on the notion that we have to do this work collaboratively. We got to come together and have the communication to make a, a community, you know, a community and not just a city. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I agree completely. Um, what, okay, so I have just a base question and then what would be the closer mm -hmm. after this? Uh, so my first thing is, do you, is there anything that you want to promote either for yourself or just in a, in a general sense within the community that you feel strongly about that you want people to know about? Well, um, so many things. I think the most important thing for me to, uh, <laughs> to, to share is just that, what, like I said earlier, so many of the things that we need are already going on. You know, like I like uh, like I was mentioning with regard to the um, trades programs in Muskegon Public Schools. Like that stuff is already happening. I see how important it is and want to support it, and so I will help to make more of that stuff happen. But it's already happening, you know. And that's the that's the thing. Like you, we're not starting from scratch. Don't think that we have to start from scratch. Be encouraged. You know, we're in a good place right now, but we can be fooled by the dire circumstances. You know, we can be fooled into focusing on the hardships that we're experiencing and miss the fact that we're in a good position right now. If we stick, if we stick it, um, <laughs> I have to watch my metaphors too. If we uh, are committed, <laughs> taking advantage of the situation, we will find that we're in a, you know, a, a right field for uh, really blossoming this community into something uh, like a significant promise that has been, that it's been making to itself for longer than I've been here. Right on. Um, so the closing question now, normally it's an advice question. Uh, that you aim at yourself, but given some of the stuff we talked about, I kind of want to mix it up a little bit and make it sort of a two part. Um, first off, I like to end the episodes with the guests being able to give a piece of advice to themselves for the future. Uh, so that if they decide to listen to this in the future, you know, a couple years, couple days, couple weeks, whatever, they always have that to look back on as something maybe that they needed to hear in that moment or might need to hear in the future. Mm -hmm. But given some of the stuff that we talked about, and I'd like to add just a maybe that question and put like a one B underneath it and say, um, you know, some of the stuff that you're talking about with with the way we treat children as they're growing up and things like that, maybe offer a piece of advice to, you know, parents or teachers or coaches or somebody who who works with children on how they should what what they should view as their role in teaching that child how to believe in themselves or believe in an idea that they can really with hard work and and you know try and grow up to accomplish the things that they want to accomplish so it, it so in in a sense give advice to yourself in the future but also maybe give advice to those those people those people working with children on how they can really help those children become and reach their full uh capacity well i can do that both at the same time because I am working with children right now to you know help them increase their capacity as you say like this is the the, the position on the school board is 
work for first and foremost for the students you know that's who i am advocating for in every decision that i make and i am glad to say that um i am supported in that <laughs> by the superintendent and by the rest of the board too we are in it for the students and it's clear enough um but being uh in that role, I can, I can know that I would want to hear myself be reminded <laughs> that it's really possible to be uniquely yourself, to be the weird guy, you know, to be, um, ex it's okay to be authentic, you know? As a matter of fact, not only is it okay, it is your ticket. That is your ticket to the fullness of your fulfillment. You know, that is what you have to be if you want to be satisfied with your with your role, with your life. If you want to, if you want to be satisfied with your contribution, you got to give it all of yourself. You got, you got to put yourself in it. And so it's okay to be your authentic self. Don't let anybody tell you different. Right on. I love that. Well, great. Um, well, thank you again for doing this. This was great. I appreciate you giving me some of your time. Man, Danny, thank you so much. I really appreciate your invitation. Hell yeah. <laughs>